Welcome to the Conscious Woman podcast. This is your host Pavna Dur. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you interesting and insightful conversations on a range of topics that will support you in both living and leading more consciously. From conscious leadership and conscious inclusion to conscious eating, conscious parenting and conscious fashion. This podcast is in conjunction with the leadership development work that we do to support women leaders in leading with mindfulness and compassion. To learn more, please go to shinomics.com. On this episode, I am so delighted to be speaking to Neelam Jain about how we can improve the livelihoods of the 1 crore trans persons living in India today. Post a two-year stint in Goldman Sachs as a financial analyst, Neelam founded Periphery in 2017 with a mission to build a self-sustainable model that creates meaningful and inclusive employment opportunities for trans persons. Periphery is a purpose-driven organization that is deeply connected with the trans community. They not only help companies recruit trans persons, but also helps them create a culture of inclusion, acceptance, and empathy for the LGBTQI+ community. A Forbes 30 Under 30 entrepreneur, Neelam is also a LinkedIn top voice on inclusion. There is a lot we can all learn from her, so let's dive in. Welcome everyone to the Conscious Woman podcast. I am delighted to welcome our guest today, Neelam Jain, founder of Periphery, who's going to speak to us today about how we can all be consciously inclusive of the trans community. So Neelam, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much, Bhavna. It is very exciting to be back as your ex Hello, as just another person who has known you and who's admired your work over the years. Thank you for having me. Really, it's an honor. Thank you, Neelam. And yes, speaking of the fellowship, we first met in 2018 when we just launched the Lead Like a Girl Fellowship, which is our fellowship program mm-hmm. at Chinomics for young women leaders. And I remember at the time you were very young. Of course, you're still very, very young. and i think at that time you may have been maybe just about 22 years old you i believe had recently quit your cushy corporate job at goldman sachs and had just started periphery yeah. and i remember when all of us were going through your application on the on the admissions committee all of us were like jaw dropped when we were reading your application and and everyone i think had the same question which is how is it that this young woman has such clarity of purpose at such a young age so i want to begin with that how did you develop this clarity of purpose what sparked this idea of of wanting to help the trans community yeah now i think i firstly want to say that the time when the fellowship sort of came was very difficult period for me very honestly you know because you know you just when you're starting up and especially when you're running a social startup or social enterprise any social organization for that matter the first couple of years are extremely challenging and i i still remember uh, just being a part of that program really grounded me and that sense of community that i got was is is something i don't just say for the sake of this podcast but 
it's really helped me in that journey and at that point in time this is one of those things that really anchored me to you know just connect with myself better because when you're facing adversity it's very easy to kind of forget who you do, who you truly are and why you started to do what you do so i i just want to just plug in very shamelessly that this is a fellowship that i recommend young women you know to really go for and i think it it can really do a lot of wonders for you know if you're looking for something like this now coming to the question that you've actually asked which is about how do we really start this and i i would like to say that you know this isn't something that i planned to do or i envisioned my entire life that i want to be in the social sector or that i want to you know very mindfully work with and for the trans community i would say this is just something that came along i was with goldman sachs and you know very nice job amazing colleagues and then along the way found a group that was very consciously working for the welfare of the queer community the larger lgbt community and then i became an ally in that group you know i just joined it i was like okay let me try and do something outside of my daily work hours that's how it really began and little by little i found a lot of interest i met a lot of people from the queer community especially a lot of trans folks who visited the campus sharing their stories etc and from there on i decided okay you know what let me take this even beyond my you know office and my work circle so i connected with them i met some of the ngos and cbos that work in this space and truly identified that socio economic integration or livelihood creation was one of the massive challenges that the trans community was facing and that's that's how the purpose and the vision of periphery really began to serve as an organization that really helps create inclusive livelihood for the transgender community it took me a year to actually come down and start you know just start the organization itself it's not like the idea came today and i quit my job tomorrow none of that happens right it, it's 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 something that you develop over time and you know very consciously you think about it and then you make that jump so i've been i felt really lucky that i actually made that jump and i've also had an extremely supportive network of friends and family who you know sometimes came in as like advisors sometimes came in as a colleague for a short period of time and all of that really helped us build periphery as the organization that it is and what wonders you have done with this work i have to say it's it's truly amazing neelam i also want to talk to you about courage which is something we i know we talk a lot about in the fellowship as well because here you are the work that you're doing is by no means easy you're essentially trying to dismantle a social system of oppression against a community that has existed for years yeah. and shaking something up like that is 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 i'm sure challenging on many many levels and when you first thought of this idea and you and you thought of taking those first few steps i'm curious what gave you the courage to do that and the reason why i ask is because i do come across many young women women of all ages really and of course men as well who have also have these ideas and hopes and dreams of doing something meaningful with their life of making a difference so that clarity of purpose may be there but then at the same time they also experience a lot of resistance and that resistance can be inner or outer inner in terms of really self doubt and all those questions that come up for for any of us when we're doing something new around 
is this too big a challenge for me to take on am i am i the one to be taking on this challenge and can i do this and what if what if i don't succeed and equally there can be external resistance as well in terms of not having the right level of support from friends from family not having the resources to move forward with an idea so i'm curious what did you experience any resistance inner or outer and what gave you the courage to move past that resistance yeah no i have this really funny way of looking at it i just feel like you know in retrospect now i just feel like the younger you are the more foolish and it's easier to take those <laughs> sort of jumps i i can't imagine how easily i would have done that at the age of 30 you know versus doing that at 21 22 i mean i'm i'm not saying that was the only age is the only factor but i think that played a huge role for me that at that age i could kind of find something that was more interesting than my other job that gave me a much more you know deeper sense of direction of how i want to live and you know sort of lead my life itself and then of course the age of 22 makes you feel like anything is doable you can achieve anything in this world and like i'll start this organization today and all the problems will end tomorrow so when you go in with that kind of a very young curious mind you just feel like everything is doable and honestly that's the mindset with which i started the organization itself but what gave me courage over the years is many many things that came together and i think one of the most important things and maybe we don't talk about it often is you know the kind of privilege that some of us as cisgender people you know hold in the society and i think the courage also comes from having a lot of privilege in the society sometimes it's the privilege of a gender sometimes it's the privilege of your of your economic situation i mean i don't have to go back and support my i i didn't have to go back and support my family for the initial few years of my career and that gave me a huge sort of a space to just go out there and explore myself courage also comes from you know the people who come together in in fulfilling that purpose as an individual today i mean we we have a team of about 14 of us working full time in this organization and even when i started i did have a couple of people who really like backed up what we were doing so i i think all of that helps and all of those are sort of external but internally for me what really helped was i just believe that it is a problem that can be solved and i had a very very strong sense of you know feeling about that i i truly believe that this isn't a problem that has has no human control over it's it's not something that i want to leave it to the god saying okay whenever god wants to fix it, it the the god will fix it i felt like it's very much something that another human being can be a part of the solution without really taking up the space so even now when we do this work we're very conscious that we're not taking the space of the queer community but we're really just being a facilitator we're really just supporting and helping the community achieve you know very meaningful livelihood and very sustainable livelihood at that yeah awesome so you know speaking of the trans community just at the outset so we're all on the same page can you define for us in in simple terms who is a trans person and and what are some of the biggest myths that you find still prevail that you can bust for us 
I think there's no one way to look at the trans community or trans people in general. I think in a country like India, especially where we've sort of only seen the image of a trans person as someone who's on the streets, you know, someone that we've seen at a wedding, you know, sort of come and ask for arms and all of that. And while they do represent a part of the community, the trans community is a, lo- a whole lot more diverse. There are trans men, there are trans women, there are gender non-conforming trans people. There are trans people who prefer the cultural group as their name, like for example, the Arwani group, the Jogapa as trans people, then we have the Hijra community, etc. There's no one way to really identify as a trans person. And, and I think, I feel like the best way for us as allies to be inclusive is to really lean and understand from the community itself. And there's there's a whole lot of resources that are actually available online. I mean, if today someone tells me that, hey, they don't know what it means to be a trans person, I'm just like, I think that's because you probably didn't take the step to actually learn and understand. Because for all you know, just anybody in our family can also very well identify as a trans person. We, we usually think that identifying as trans is a very far away reality that most of us have nothing to do with this. You never know if somebody from your own family can identify as queer and be closeted for that matter for probably their entire life as well. So it is very much a part of all of our you know, lives itself. Yeah, that's, that's how I see this. And I'm curious, Neelam, how you went about building trust with this community because my guess is when you first started this work, you may have been seen as an outsider. So how do you then build trust and credibility? And I think this is an important question for any entrepreneur or anyone who's trying to create a community and build that that trust with that community. How does one do that? And how did you do that? I think we're still continuing to do that. And it's something that we try and live up to every single day that we're doing this work. But the initial years are, of course, a whole lot more challenging because we're talking about a community that's been used and abused politically, socially, economically for decades together. And for them to trust anybody who is not a queer person or not a trans person is is valid. You know, and I think... we should respect the fact, you know, that that does happen. But as an organization, we were very conscious about the fact that we're here to serve and solve a very fixed problem. We weren't here for the the flashy news. We weren't here for, okay, a young girl quit her job and started her organization. All of that sort of happened around us, but that wasn't what drove us. And that's what really helped us because it took us an initial year to build that rapport and that rapport and that trust is only by you know people seeing you do the work it you know a couple of people that got placed in our first year and two those people became our biggest champions and biggest allies of periphery and then they went back spoke in their communities about not just the fact that they got the job but also the kind of experience that they had with our team itself and that that's really what gave us inroads into communities across the country Currently, we're working with about 2,500 or trans people across the country. We've placed roughly about 350 people in different jobs across the country, right from organizations like Accenture, IBM, Walmart, JPM, Goldman Sachs, you know, and, and not all of these people come from the same backgrounds. 
right from placing someone who's maybe just eighth dropout to people who have great education careers but have not been able to be themselves we've really worked with a diverse set of community members and the only thing i constantly hear from them is that they find our team to be genuine they see the reason with which why we're working and that's i think the only way in in more technical sense that you can acquire a customer base per se and i i think the community has been very kind to us and i've i've i have a lot of friends now from the community itself and so yeah that's that's just become a part of my life right now yeah absolutely i think that purity of intention really matters and i know you are absolutely genuine about this work speaking of of these so many now as you mentioned hundreds of 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 individuals that you've helped over the years can you share with us just to put a a human face face to these to these many stories can you share one or two stories of individuals who have benefited from your work stories i'm sure that that uplift you when when times are are tough what are one or two of these would love to hear yeah this this is this is very it's back in the day and this is when we didn't have a much bigger team it was just about two three of us working so we would literally do everything end to end and so one of those mornings i got a call because my number was up on google you know for any calls to periphery and stuff i got those calls saying that i'm at the chennai central railway station you know i'm a trans woman and i need help and i said okay you know what what do you need and all of that and she said that she's run away from home her family doesn't accept her and things like that so i said okay you know what just let me know what time you're actually getting there and i'll come around and see you and stuff so she said meet me that morning and my house is just about 5 minutes away so i immediately took off went to see her at the railway station and by the time i reached there her phone was switched off i couldn't i didn't know who this person was and so i just went back home the next morning again i got the call and she said that she somehow managed to find a charger from one of the people at the railway station because she's run away from home without anything nothing no money in hand maybe just you know just a bag with something and then the next morning we met her and we said you know what let's let's take this one thing at a time you don't have a space to go you can't be on the streets for now and she said that her family you know has been trying to push her into marriage and things like that but she said that she can somehow still manage to stay with them for about 2 months maybe so we said okay you know what just go back to your house because you're saying that you can go back and we met her we took her application in we understood what her background is and then a month later we called her and we told her that there's a training program happening in bangalore that we'd like for her to join so she came there for about 2 months she was training with a, another 25 other trans people and i think that in itself was a huge you know experience for her in terms of what she felt not just training on technical things right but just the sense of community and the sense of fellowship that she got over there she was at the end of the program she was one of the first people to get a get a technical job she was placed in accenture continues to work there for the past i think 4 years now she's had a promotion ever since she's also gone back home in her true identity over the years telling her family this is who she really is and over the time her family has also accepted her so yeah i mean i think it's it's these things that we really you know do this work for and and one of these times she also came back to our office 
she offered us money saying that i've you know i've got i've been getting these promotions and these hikes can this money be of some use we said you know what thank you for doing this just just pay it forward support another trans person who comes your way and and just be their guide in their journey so and then so many more people like that some of the people that we have placed in 2017 18 they become managers and leaders in their teams and that sense of feeling that we get because their lives before wasn't really how they wanted it to be you know and the life that they're living now gives them that that self esteem that confidence that societal recognition and everything that they've been longing for i mean and and i don't by any any means say that job solves everything but having stable financial income can solve a lot of issues in your life and then dealing with a lot of other things like family acceptance becomes slightly easier as we go on that journey and and speaking of of what really what kind of supportive ecosystem it really takes for trans persons to feel included I, i'd love your thoughts on especially within organizations because i know you're doing incredible work in placing trans persons within organizations getting them getting them formal employment what have you found in terms of what are what really helps so what are what are some policies or practices that actually really make a difference when it comes to creating this inclusive enabling environment for this community and equally on the flip side what where do you think there's still scope for a lot of work to be done that that we should be aware of the long list it's a very long <laughs> list sure. but let me just give you a couple of pointers over there right the most basic thing is to have an anti discrimination have an anti harassment policy that is inclusive of all persons you know and if it specifically calls out trans persons gender non binary people queer people that helps because that shows the organization's commitment to supporting those who might be a lot more marginalized than the others a lot of trans people seek support for medically transitioning although it's not a mandate to do so but a lot of them might require that support and this can be you know one of those insurance policies medical healthcare policies that organizations can and should provide and we see a lot of organizations do that and all of this also in turn helps the organization you know retain create that sustainability and build a far more inclusive work culture itself so supporting trans people when they're going through their gender affirmation surgery processes when they're on their hrts either through financial means or through financial and other you know workplace support means itself inclusive restrooms matter a lot you know having said that we're not going to compel trans people saying that oh now that we have a gender neutral washroom you should use only that that's not the idea of it you let the person you know choose the washroom you, you we don't ask any new person joining hey which washroom would you use you just give them the options right and a person will use what's in accordance with their own gender identity or their expression and what feels the most safest to them itself so having a gender neutral washroom is great it it really does create a that sense of support even without saying a lot you know just visually seeing that can make a lot of difference itself and i think beyond all of these things that organizations can do what i've learned over the years is that it's also sort of easy to maybe place a trans person in the organization who's out and you know out and proud and stuff 
what's important is that are we creating enough and more of a success for them if you're you know trying to have a trans person who didn't have as much exposure and as much of a career you know they, they didn't graduate from a tier 1 or a tier 2 kind of a institute and you're trying having them compete with the iim and the iit folks how are you setting them up for success so really building on their success over the years being that coach being that buddy that mentor in the organization having a career progression program for the community really matters a lot because that's what speaks of the organization success over the years and really standing up against people even if they are your top performers and if you know that they are a bully if if they're you know engaging in homophobic transphobic instances and actually showing them the door is important it's not just enough if you do things for the community you also as an organization have to show that you don't stand you know you will stand up to any sort of you know phobic instances that may happen at a workplace yeah absolutely and in fact one of the things i know like for example in our work with with women and and gender discrimination one of the things we find is you can have all of the right policies in place but if at the level of everyday micro interactions you're not creating that sense of inclusion for them it's 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 for the long term it's not going to be impactful and in fact with women we know a, a lot of them the, one of the reasons why they leave organizations is because of this accumulation of micro inequities or aggressions over time i imagine the same is true for the trans community as well for example you know if you stare at at someone for a second longer that's actually an act of of microaggression or you use the wrong pronoun or not use the right pronoun so i'm curious what are some of these microaggressions that we should be mindful of and equally on the on the flip side because just like aggressions add up over time also these small acts of inclusion add up over time so for um for someone who's looking to be a better ally what are these acts of inclusion we can we can consciously engage in so let let's begin first with microaggressions and then we'll move on to how we can be better allies Yeah I I mean just a couple of them and this is from cumulative thoughts of a lot of people that we engage with we also do like a post placement process so we try and understand how they're actually being integrated into the workspace and if they're having any issues one of the most common things that we used to hear a lot especially in our initial years was that while they were professionally accepted you know they still wouldn't have a group of people to go with for lunch and I and that's not something you can force anyone to do right but then why is that happening and why is that happening to so many of the people that were placing that the same colleague who is great to them at work sits with them and does the work and is acting in a professional conduct but the moment they have to step outside the premises or the moment that they have to go to another floor they prefer not being seen with this trans person and that really shows a kind of you know reservations that people have with trans folks and that kind of then amplifies that you know maybe the organization's not done a good job at actually creating that sensitivity and that sense of genuine inclusion itself another thing that you yourself said was pronouns you know i still have a lot of people who ask me that hey isn't it obvious that you look at me and you know what my pronouns are i said no it's not obvious because a lot of people 
their pronouns might not might not be in the stereotypical sense of okay you look like a stereotypical woman so your pronoun should be she her that's really not the case and a lot of times writing the pronouns in our signature or somewhere else is not just about me it's also mm-hmm. about showing a sense of allyship with the larger queer community itself so really asking people for their pronouns if you're meeting someone new it's like fairly simple you just introduce yourself saying hi my name's neelam i go by the pronoun she her what about you those simple you know acts can really help as well i'm sorry i switched it you asked me to talk about microaggressions first i think see this in a lot in career progression of people honestly and i think that becomes a huge deal breaker in organizations because a lot of times people are also seen comfortable with having trans persons at junior levels but the moment you see a trans person in in the sense of authority a lot of cis people start to feel insecure and that insecurity is not because of the trans person it's largely because of as cis members in the society where we feel like we this is you know this is not their space we feel like this is not where they belong so and then we kind of show that in different ways and forms we show that by not you know respecting them or not really being a good team to the manager itself that comes out in different ways and we've seen managers actually having a lot of problem as they're growing in their in their success and if they identify as trans so those those are some of the things that just really come to my mind right away great yeah absolutely i think yeah there's so so many things that we need to be mindful of in terms of how can we consciously create this this yeah. inclusive and enabling environment and be better allies neela what would you say cuz now you've been doing this work for i'm guessing 4 5 plus years 5 that's yeah. incredible looking back now what would you say have been some of the some of the biggest learnings that have come out of doing this yeah. work again a long list but let me give you one or two that really resonate with me and i you know i think it also comes probably maybe if i was a bit older i'd have known that one of my biggest learnings after the initial few years was that i really thought that this is something i can do alone like by alone i mean periphery alone as an organization can really solve this problem and that sense of ego or that sense of yeah i mean you know whatever you call it realized a bit late that a work like this or for a lot of the things that we do you really need to work in partnership with a lot of other organizations that work in this space and that sense of respect for older people who have been in this space is very important I've learned so much from them in my last 2 3 years because I've engaged with them a lot more now than I sh- than I did in my initial formative years of periphery. So that's my biggest learning that you know really connect with people in your space who are working in this area build very meaningful as well as strategic relationships with other organizations that work in this space because the LGBTQ community has been supported by hundreds and thousands of organizations in the country for the past 30 40 years so for you know any new organization to come into the space and maybe just try and do the same thing again doesn't make sense so really connect with people is is important and you'll 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 get a lot more friends than you thought you would that's my number one and i think number two for me is definitely the kind of team you build and this team sort of has to find you as opposed to you finding them 
I've realized that in my five years of trying to headhunt the best kind of people, the people who have actually retained, the people who have actually continued to work and really contribute to the organizations are the ones who found me or found Periphery. And then they said, okay, I want to apply to this organization. So as an entrepreneur, as an organization, just make yourself visible. Just put yourself out there and the right people who want to connect with you, who believe in what you do, will automatically come to you. I don't think it's possible to go around finding such people. Yeah. Yeah, having a great team definitely helps. Neelam, what keeps you going on your toughest days? Because I imagine there are times when I'm sure things are not as rosy. What are, what for you as an individual are either some practices or some things you do or say to yourself, build that resilience to keep going because you're in this for the long haul. So how do you, how do you build that resilience? I have very uh, unhealthy ways of coping with stress. So I don't know if that's going to help. I mean, it's just a lot of different things. I mean, sometimes it's just sugar. Sometimes it's, I mean, those things aside, I think what has helped me a lot is I am, I am someone who is slightly spiritual and I'm religious as well. So that for me really forms as my anchor, especially during very difficult times. I, I don't know, I mean, and, and this isn't the most, what do I say? This isn't the most, you know, a thing that's held by a lot in the masses. But I do feel like connecting with my inner self happens through a channel of spirituality. So that has kept me going over the years. And over the past two years, I've really started focusing on my health, which I did neglect for a very long time. And I would work crazy hours. I would work for like... 12, 14, 16 hours, take breaks whenever I feel like, wake up late, sleep in very, very late and all sorts of unhealthy practices that I've done. I still kind of go back to that, you know, time to time, but then it's easier for me to now work around it. Maybe a day in a week is like that right now, but then back then I would spend six days in a week just having, you know, constant work stress and stuff. So focusing on my health has really helped me. I've constantly chosen sports because as a person, I've realized that's what really helps me. And and I'm sure all of us know what helps us. Maybe for us, some of us, it's to friends, other things. But for me, on my most difficult days, I play a game of tennis and I automatically feel better. I also lean a lot into yoga and that's helped me really focus on day-to-day activities as well. And yeah, apart from that, every now and then sugar junk also helps me. But yeah, those, that's really about it. And I think as you keep doing the work that you're doing, right? One thing that happens for sure is even if your problems don't reduce or the magnitude of the problems don't reduce, you become a lot more tougher. You become a lot more, you know, conscious about how to solve them as opposed to taking every small problem as, oh my God, this is the end of it. So we're, we're past that stage now and we look at problems as problems, not as something that affects me as a person. And I, and I think, yeah, that is the beauty of being on a, on a constant path of, of personal growth and, and this personal evolution, because then you start to, as you said, you start to approach the same problems through a more, a, a different, expanded, more empowered lens. As someone said, if, if, if you're dealing with a, let's say a level seven problem, 
question to ask is how do you rise to become a level 8 person or a level 9 person so it feels more approachable lovely what is the next big challenge you are going after or what is that next thing you're looking forward to and how can anyone who is listening to this and wants to support your work and be an ally how can how can they support yeah so as an organization the next big aim for us is to set up more of the transcend centers that we have already so for those of you who are listening and maybe don't know what transcend is it's t r a n s trans and i double n in it's a safe space for members of the transgender community to come together and access shelter as well as livelihood support so we started this in 2021 with ANZ as our lead sponsor and we have one such center that has been put up in Bangalore and through that one facility we're supporting over 150 trans people every year but we know that the demand from the community is a whole lot more we know that the the need of such spaces is a lot more because a place like transin doesn't just provide shelter but it's also creating sustainable livelihoods we're training people we're aligning them to jobs we're aligning them to entrepreneurial efforts etc as well so we're really helping people become their you know most financially stable version itself so having more such facilities across the country is what we're looking to do and for those listening in if you do have the capacity because i think the kind of csr spend that we have in this area is still nothing it's it's just barely anything we still see a lot of organizations and i mean i mean i, I don't mean any offense but we still see organizations really only invest in the traditional areas of education or child development etc because those are seen as safer areas safer areas of contribution contributing to organizations that are maybe 30 40 years old right but i think we also need to as csr folks as people who are in the dni space ask ourselves that dni is not just a company problem it's first a social problem right it's a much more bigger societal problem and then companies are a part of that society so if you're not contributing to the larger social change then how are you really advocating for dni is is a question that we need to have organizations answer and ask themselves so really investing in the space is what we're looking out for and for organizations that want to do meaningful work in the space i think they shouldn't just look at it from the approach of okay i want to hire trans people make my workplace inclusive create jobs right that's great that's an impact you're making but like i said the community lives beyond these workspaces what impact are you making in the society will actually stand as a testimony many 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 years later yes absolutely and and that is the way forward i think research shows this as well um, people want to be part of organizations that are genuine about genuine and mindful of their responsibility to a wider set of stakeholders not not just shareholders but the responsibility they have to the communities that they are a part of so yes this is this is absolutely core to that neelam my last question to you for us living and leading consciously a big part of that is also being conscious about what are the values that you choose to express on a daily basis through your work how you show up day to day i'd love to know what are those 
core values for you that are that are just central to who you are as an as an individual i think the biggest for me is integrity mm-hmm. and something that i will always hold myself up to hold my team to and also the people that we engage with i think without integrity everything that we do means nothing so that for me is my biggest value system that i function with another thing for me is just how dependent can i be on someone or how dependent can someone else be on me you know it's as a part of this problem that we're solving it sometimes becomes too much about that one person who's running it or it becomes too much about that one organization one organization but can we act as a support can we you know the learnings that we have the mechanisms that we build can periphery as another as an organization scale that learning to maybe another 100 ngos that work in the space but don't have the kind of privilege and access that we do so how dependable are we is is something that i try and function with i really haven't thought of what values you know that i really function with otherwise but these are things that i just generally do and i think those add to my biggest value system and finally i think if this counts is i hold my family and my my loved ones very very close and you know all said and done this this is this is work at the end of the day this is a problem we're solving and i'll be very happy if you know as an organization we don't have to do this 10 years from now and if we are actually able to solve this problem so throughout that entire journey whether the work remains or not i'll have my family i'll have my loved ones is how i see and i really hold them as you know value or a family system that i function beautiful thank you neelam and i second you let's let's hope we can all work towards a world where this work is no longer needed because we've all consciously stepped up to create that inclusive environment and become better allies to one another neelam thank you for the wonderful work that you're doing all the best as you continue to to do more great work and uh, thank you for being such a great role model also for young women everywhere i know a lot of people look up to you and derive a lot of inspiration thank you bhavna thank you thank you so much for having me absolutely a pleasure and i'm just a big fan of you bhavna so i'm i'm just happy to be here thank you thank you Thank you for listening. I hope you found the conversation to be insightful. If you did, please do leave us a review as that would be most helpful in helping others discover this podcast as well. To learn more about the work that we do, please go to shinomics.com. We look forward to having you tune in again for future episodes. Until then, may you be well, may you be happy, and may you be at peace. Like this Sochcast Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store.